Hello everyone, it's Mark Godaker here. Welcome to the NT Pod, the podcast all about the New Testament and Christian origins. In today's episode, episode 9, we're going to be looking at the genealogy in Luke's Gospel. Back in the first episode of the NT Pod earlier this summer, we looked at Matthew's genealogy. And I thought it was about time that we did a sequel episode and looked at the other genealogy that occurs in the New Testament, and that's in uh, Luke's Gospel. When you look at Luke's genealogy, you're really struck by just how different it is from Matthew's genealogy. For one thing, he puts it in a different location in the Gospel. Whereas in Matthew, it's right up there, right at the beginning of his Gospel, given real prominence. In Luke, it's tucked away at the end of chapter 3 and receives much less kind of prominence. In terms of the formal structure of the genealogy, Luke's is very different. Matthew begins with Abraham and works forward until he gets to Jesus. In Luke, on the other hand, he begins with Jesus and works backwards. And he works backwards, not just to Abraham, but all the way back, right to Genesis 2, to Adam. And some people think that that's perhaps because Luke, as someone that's trying to stress the salvation of all, he wants to get Jesus related right back to the first man, Adam. There are also many different names in the two genealogies. Perhaps the most striking of these is that even Joseph's father is different in the two genealogies. And that's something really quite striking. We would expect them at least to agree on something as important as the name of Jesus's grandfather. So what do we make of these differences between Matthew and Luke? And what do they tell us about Luke's purposes as a gospel writer when compared and contrasted with Matthew's? Well, for one thing, Luke embeds the genealogy in his narrative in a way that's quite different from Matthew. I I suggested last time that actually it might seem to be quite a dull way to begin a book, to set out and put a genealogy right at the beginning of it. And Luke is probably aware of that. He wants a slightly more interesting opening than that. And there's a precedent for that in the Hebrew Bible, in that quite often genealogies in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament come when you get a key moment in the story, they don't necessarily come right at the beginning of the book. There'll be just a moment where the writer says, okay, now it's time to put in the genealogy, and Luke's done something a bit like that. The immediate catalyst for the inclusion of the genealogy in Luke is that he's just been talking about Jesus as God's son in the baptism, and then he's going to go on and talk about Jesus being tested as God's son in the temptation story. So he puts the genealogy in between those two references to Jesus as son, and you get a kind of grounding of Jesus as son of Abraham, son of Adam, son of God, right there in the narrative at the moment when Jesus is first being picked up as the son of God. Quite often you'll get this combined thing in both Luke and Matthew and uh, elsewhere in early Christianity, the dual stress that Jesus is both son of God and also at the same time son of David, son of Abraham, son of Adam. But let's home in on some of the names that you get in the body of the two different genealogies. Now, there's a really interesting feature of Matthew's genealogy that contrasts quite strongly with Luke's genealogy, and it's this. In Matthew's genealogy, the lineage is traced through kings of Judea. So you go all the way back through many of the kings of Judea, through Solomon to David, and that's how Matthew manages to establish that Jesus is going to be some kind of king. 
he is a king in that long line of kings, a fine theological kind of move that Matthew makes there. Curiously, though, when you get to Luke's genealogy, he doesn't trace Jesus's lineage through all of those kings. Just one king, just one there, and that's David. So he manages to trace Jesus back to David. The, the way he does this is that whereas Matthew traces the lineage back through Solomon, Luke does it through another son of David, Nathan. So he goes right back to David, just as Matthew does, but Luke goes back through Nathan. Now, why does Luke do that? Well, I think I know the answer, and it's not something that you usually find in the textbooks or the commentaries, so you'll have to bear with me for a moment on this one. The way that I think it works is this. I think Luke has a Christology, a kind of a theory of the Christ or the Messiah, that works with a famous messianic text, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. In that prophecy, you get this mention of the future Davidic king, the restorer coming from the stump of Jesse. Now, Jesse is the name of David's father. To say the stump of Jesse is to say that the monarchy has failed. The monarchy in Israel has been a disaster, and that's why Israel ends up going into exile. So what happens is, effectively, is that great tree of the monarchy, that great huge tree has been chopped down by Israel going into it, into exile, and all that you have left is the stump, the stump of Jesse, and from that stump a new branch will grow, and that is the branch from which the Messiah, the great new king, will come. So the prophecy in Isaiah is saying that the future Davidic restorer will come from the same stock as David came from, the stock of Jesse. So what does Luke do in his genealogy? What Luke does in his genealogy, I think, is to make use of this metaphor of the stump of Jesse, make use of this idea that the Messiah will come, not descended from the ranks of all of those kings that went so horribly wrong that Matthew lists. Rather, Luke says, this is a new start. This is going back right to the root, even to before David was anointed as the Messiah. Jesus descends from the stump of Jesse. And so what we have in Luke is the restoration of the Davidic monarchy with the true son of David. And if you look at Luke's gospel, you'll find that that theme of the son of David comes through on page after page. I suspect, therefore, that the big difference between Matthew and Luke in the genealogy is, a, is one of substance. It's one of Luke using the idea that he finds in Isaiah 11 of the future restored Messiah coming from the stump of Jesse, he uses that idea as a reason to reconfigure the whole way that the genealogy is done. Now, this touches a little bit on a controversial question, and one which I have a strong opinion on, which is whether or not Luke knew Matthew's gospel. Sometimes people have said in the past that it's impossible that Luke could have known Matthew's gospel because their genealogies are so different. But my feeling is that Luke has just decided to go his own way on the genealogy, and he has a good reason to do it, because he doesn't like the idea of tracing Jesus' lineage through those Old Testament kings. He wants to go right back, in the words of Isaiah 11, to the stump of Jesse. So I think that's why he goes his own way, and at the same time, he wants to do the thing of, of, of getting the genealogy going right back to Adam, the first human being. 
But nevertheless, he's influenced by Matthew's genealogy. It's unusual to have a genealogy at all, and Matthew may well have given him the idea for that. And what's more, Matthew's given him the idea, I think, of doing something interesting with numbers. Because Matthew's genealogy has famously these three generations of 14 each. And although Luke doesn't do that, he does have his own interesting little number game. If you count up the number of names in the Lucan genealogy, there are 77. And that's a striking and rather predictably interesting biblical kind of number. Well, thanks for taking the time out of your busy life to listen to the latest NT pod. A reminder that you can find me on the web at podacre.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter at goodacre, G-O-O-D-A-C-R-E. Or you could Google for the NT pod. Find me on iTunes or Duke University's iTunes U. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you soon.